Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today I've got Molly, one of our CBTs in the studio. So here we go. I guess in terms of stuff that I wanted to talk about, um, obviously you're kind of the, um, what's the right word? You're like a black sheep a little bit (laughs) where like you stand out, um, in many ways, but you know, there's the driving factor of your, your personality type is just unique to the setting that you work in. Um, I have, no idea what your life was before you worked here. <laughs> like I remember when you started because um, Carlo and Katie and Annie, uh, I think came to a meeting and like they ended up talking about you it was like right after you got hired and they're like, yeah, we got a, we got a unique one now too. <laughs> um, but I guess other stuff, um, you know, you taught me how to round. There's, there's all sorts of options. I mean, what's, what's on your mind? What do you, what do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, we can start back from before I worked at Paw. I had multiple jobs. Um, a couple of them were being a general manager at Arby's. Um, I used to sell cars. I've worked at a dog boarding house place. Mm-hmm. Um, and now in the summer times, I just go and tinker on Yamaha's jet mm-hmm. skis, wave runners, side by sides. Okay. And now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, why? How did you get to being a technician? Like, why pick what it is that you do? So, when I was a kid, I did want to be a veterinarian. When I grew up, um, high school took me down some unfortunate roads that kind of led me to where I am. That led me to where I am now, but stopped me from going to school to be a vet. Okay, gotcha. So, like, when you were in high school, that was kind of the dream was to be a doctor of of vet med? and Since I was a little kid. Okay. But high school kind of just... Yeah, I get it. I get it. We we all lived through high school. I understand that. Um, I guess what was it about um, being, you know, the idea of being a vet that was intriguing to you? Like, why is it just a love for animals or love for animals? That's it. That's it. Fair enough. Um, And then kind of got derailed a little bit, which happened. I think that happens to everybody. (laughs) Like everyone has their own story about like how high school, like just kicked them to the left a little bit. (laughs) Mine wasn't a little bit. It was as far away as you could (laughs) possibly go. I I really want to ask what it is, but I I feel like it would be terribly inappropriate for the setting. (laughs) Maybe for the podcast. Yes. but (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, we, we can, we can abstain then. We don't necessarily have to go there. <laughs> just <laughs> no. her left. Just. Uh, <laughs> see, that's, that's like a, that's an interesting, th- uh, all right, here, how about this? Um, here's, here's, here's where I think, uh, we can tie some stuff together. Um, you had a vision, right. Of like where you thought life was going to mm-hmm. go. And then that got bumped in however, which, which way it did. And then through the course of a number of different choices, mostly ended up in the place you thought you were going to 
10 years later. I actually don't I have no idea how old you even are. So almost 29. So yeah. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm almost 30. So, you know, I there feel we, it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, what do you think? Uh, and what I'm kind of driving at is um, the, the fact that you're of a high D type personality, which for those that aren't aware of what that is, um, driver high dominance kind of see an obstacle ba- just bury your head down and get through the obstacle not necessarily uh um as focused on being methodical but just seeing the result and being like i'm gonna get to it which in this in in this world but also in our clinic because of the nature i think of the industry that's a that is a character trait that is unique um, do you feel like that was the thing that kind of circled you or back or around to where you wanted to be? It pretty much started with me going from job to job to job. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I like these jobs. I'm not happy in these jobs. Mm-hmm. So then um, I looked into a bunch of different colleges, a bunch of different things I could go for. And then um, conveniently one night, I think I was sitting down with Eric um, and we were talking about what I wanted to do. And it was wound up back here, got in touch with like, um, research Madison, their veterinarian technician program. My mom looked at a bunch of vet schools for me to go to and how to apply for them. And then we found Globe. Um, and then it was just one of those things where it's like, this is what I want to do. And I just kind of decided by myself without like his input. Like, yeah, he knew I was talking about going back to school, but it was just like, nope, I'm going to go do this. And I don't give a fuck what anyone else <laughs> says. So then it was like, oh yeah, by the way, surprise, I'm enrolled back in school. Mm-hmm. And working three jobs at a time while I'm going to school full time to make sure I can pay the bills. That sounds terrible. I worked full time in college at one job and I thought I was going to die most of the time because like (laughs) there just wasn't nearly enough hours in the day. How did you pull that off? Because like technical school is just as arduous as any other type of school is like how did you kind of muscle your way through that? It was pretty much like my jobs were pretty nice at arranging schedules. So when I was at school, like I didn't work there. And then when I was at one job, I was at the other job. And then it was like, finish this job at four o'clock in the afternoon, drive to the next one to start at 5 p.m. and work until 1 a.m. And then um, all of my homework would be done either in breaks between classes, in between jobs, on days off, or sitting outside while um, I'm getting dinner cooked for me, making flashcards, sitting at my picnic table while shoving food in my face. <laughs> so I made it work, but by the time I was done, I was... Yeah, I was exhausted. Done. Yeah, like, um, you know that 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 process. Like, I, I I mean, number one, it was probably out of necessity, right? But but also, I think it's another one of those things that kind of shines a light on on you, right? Because like most people wouldn't necessarily put themselves through that. Um, I guess when did you kind of figure out? that um, there was something in the way that you prefer to behave or think or act, whatever it is, um, that is that is notably different from the people that tend to be around you, especially in this industry. When I started here at the clinic at PAW, yeah. that's when I realized that my personality type isn't one you see very commonly, and a lot of people find it to be offensive or mm-hmm. rude or that you're just straight up a bitch because you don't care how people think about you or how you say things. Yeah. You're just going to say it. Right. And then, and I guess like, how was that learning process? Because for, for me, um, I've gone from a lower D, um, 
again, so like more methodical, a little less aggressive. Um, and mine's picked up over the last like seven years now, six years, um, out of, out of conscious choice. Like I've, I've, I've seen value in being more assertive essentially. Um, I haven't gotten near to the point of being maxed out or anything like that, but, um, how was that? Cause you, you started with it and now it's been a learning process since then. Walk me through that. Like when, you know, when you learned about it and kind of how you've been able to use it, uh, to your advantage or sometimes to your disadvantage. So it kind of came about, like, I remember Annie telling me after I did the assessment, like, yep, we were sitting down in the office, Katie, Carlo, and myself, and Ben, and we brought up your assessment, and it was that same thing, like, oh, we have a unique one here, and just the high D personality, and then it came from Annie and Katie, um, and even Carlo trying to teach me how to learn how to communicate better, because when I first started, it was she's just being a bitch. Mm -hmm. We don't want to listen to her because she's just being a bitch. And it was all three of them working on how to teach me how to communicate with people Mm -hmm. to still keep my blunt personality, but not come across as Mm -hmm. I don't care. Now that where I'm at is I can still stay blunt with everybody, but I know how to say it in a nice, polite way. But there are times where it's like, I don't care. This is how it's just coming across because it's either going to potentially affect patient care or um, something down the long road of that patient being hospitalized, whether it's outpatient, inpatient. It's like, nope, you're not doing what you're supposed to or something gets missed or something or anything like that. And it's just like, and I don't care how this is coming across. Like, it's just coming out now. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of the 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 thing that shows most people like a high d type personality is it's less of an attention on the um the emotional reaction to a conversation right because a lot of times um especially culturally but um in in our industries um even more specifically we have a lot of high i which is myself and high s type people when you focus a little bit more in those central variables what happens is you get more people focused and if you focus more on d and c which i believe those are your two leading variables yes they are um you you get more results focused and and there's only so much time in the day so many you know so many so many minutes within a conversation and um um, when you say that you don't necessarily care, I think that's what you're referring to is it's like, like you're just going to rip the bandaid off more or less. Right. Yep. Like it's just coming off like out of my mouth, how it wants to, I don't yeah. care if you're, it's going to hurt your feelings. We'll come back around. We'll talk about it. But right now it's just going to mm-hmm. come out how it needs to come out. Like Carissa has experienced that a couple of times. Hannah, um, and Nicole, one of the other MSS that I work overnights with, loves it when I'm like that because she learned. She says she learns so much. I don't let her get away with anything, and it's just I say it how it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. But not everybody loves it. No, not everybody <laughs> loves it, which is weird. When I found out that she loved my personality and me being yeah. blunt and direct, where I'm like, we're talking about the same person, right? Like she's actually referring to me and not somebody else. <laughs> Uh, it, that's, I, uh, I, and I think that was, you know, when, when you and I first started working together, especially when I was working days and they had the significant like shift overlaps and that sort of stuff. Um, and we would, you, you'd end up at the clinic till 10 o'clock in the morning just, after just your bullshitting shit. Just around. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that was, that was one of the things that I really like, uh, kind of felt like I wanted to push, uh, just in general conversation, especially when you ask questions. Cause it's, it's really hard for, uh, to, to be an outlier in a behavioral sense in any setting. So let's let's go to the other extreme. Let's say you're in like a super high 
um, pressure like sales type environment where typically a high D type personality is generated, but also encouraged and um, gen- just generally more attracted to that type of a setting. Well, if you're more of a people focused person, it's really uncomfortable for that person to be in that setting. Well, vice versa. That's kind of yourself here. Mm-hmm. And um, what I've seen with other folks and my kind of myself included is when you're an outlier and you try to shift your behavioral style, it's super stressful. And honestly, it's just so disingenuous most of the time that you forget who you are and no one else knows who you are because you don't know who you are either. So I can't, I don't know the number of times that I said, well, it's fine. Just be you just know (laughs) how to do it a little bit better. Um, And and I, I think that there's been some, some significant improvements that I've observed in the last two years, which by the way, I've been here for two years now isn't that (laughs) i mean this last year in this clinic has kind of just been like poof what happened (laughs) like okay yeah it's i can't believe that you know we're we're recording this on march 24th it's been more than 11 months that we've actually been in the new clinic and it just feels like yesterday i mean i think we actually started like training in the new building a year ago this week i remember my first overnight in the new clinic and just coming in and the whole place is a mess and thank god i had sarai that night and we're just like (laughs) and we're just gonna go we're gonna put all this stuff away and yeah hope it works and that was like the first like month (laughs) even though we got it put away that day it was like everything you'd come in for your shift and it's moved from one cabinet to the next to the next and you're like uh has anybody seen this now Uh, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was a whole process. I'm, I'm actually really thankful I wasn't a part of that process, but, um, but that, again, that's, that's another one of those things like, um, you know, you learning who you are and not necessarily deviating away from it, but learning, you know, the, the pros and cons of it is, I, I think it's, uh, one of the cooler success stories of kind of my if, if I can take any credit for it, um, career up to this point is like, you're, you're really good at communicating in the way that you know how to communicate. And you've, you've kind of taken that to another level of not necessarily like going away from it, but at, at, at the very least being, I, I maybe, maybe this is the right wording, uh, more empathetic to the person's position before you jump into what you're going to say. Like you still know how you're going to say it, but you can, you it's like you take, you take in all the variables, I think a little bit more than you did before, which is a hard thing. I think for a lot of the, the more dominant type people to do, especially when they're intelligent and they can think really quickly, mm-hmm. which I believe you also have a higher processing speed. So if you, Uh, if you run out ahead of somebody and you're already to the result, a lot of times what happens is people forget to that the other person in the communication has to go on the journey at their own pace. And if you just jump to the result and they don't get to go on that journey, it's really hard for them to appreciate what you're trying to tell them. And that, that take a breath moment, I think is just, it's not necessarily changing what you're going to do, but it's like, well, we're just going to let them catch up. Does that kind of sound right? It's, it's actually a lot like that because now it's like I see something and it's like um, difficult caregiver, for example. Mm-hmm. And instead of just being like, oh, okay, I'm just going to jump and I'm going to handle this. It's like, okay, let's step back a minute. Like, okay, this is what's going on with them. Like they're concerned um, something is really wrong with their dog, but we brought it in. It's been evaluated by a veterinarian medical staff. Like it's deemed stable, but 
they're still at that point where it's like, this is what's going on. They're becoming belligerent. And it's like, nope, let's take a breath. Let's take a step back. I'm going to coach you through how to handle this situation. So you know how to do it next time, mm-hmm. which and actually has worked out a lot better for me now, instead of just being like, nope, I'm just going to handle it myself. Cause yeah. I have 15 other places I need to be on some nights. And, and you're referencing other staff, right? Other so like staff, letting yeah. other folks, um, you know, uh, uh, like kind of not necessarily telling them to be more like you, right? But but you're also like not letting them be super squishy. Like here's what, here's we're going to hear them out for a few seconds. Yeah. We're going to understand where they're coming from and then we're just going to tell them how it is. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to be my blunt personality. Like I don't like to always pull that out against caregivers because yeah. it kind of catches them off guard, but it's like yep. you you don't have to do that, but let's just rehone in on everything they were already told on the phone when they present or when they walk into the clinic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just remind them of that. And normally, once when you do, they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah. yep, you're right, we're fine." Yep, yep. Um, and that, that was a, I, I know I've had to pull that a couple times. You know, where it's like you you give it that first run, and then that doesn't work. Well, then it's like, well, let me go get the big gun out here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I actually did that to you one day too, because yeah. it was like I just remember the caregiver was constantly yelling at me. I asked yeah. him to stop. He was swearing at me, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm done. I hung up the phone and I walked right up to him. I'm like, yep. Ben, I tried. Like, this is where I hung up. He's probably calling yeah. back. And he and he did. It was a whole thing that day. But but and the the occasion that I'm kind of referring to was there was one I was like off my game entirely, and somebody was trying to railroad us. And I'm like, I need the driver. I need the person that's just going to tell that, like, not going to care what this person's going to say, and she's going to tell him what it is. And and I think both of those situations turned out well. In you know the one where you were having trouble communicating with that guy, you know, about, um, I don't even remember what the problem was, honestly, but, um, he was frustrated and, and like there was de- there was just some sort of a lapse in n- not necessarily what you were saying, but how it was being, uh, portrayed and then received. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you know the kind of the fundamentals of communication, like it, it, there was a breakdown in on two sides, which is really hard to overcome. And rather than turning it into like an I'm right, you're wrong, it's like, we're just going to pause this essentially um, in a somewhat forcible manner. (laughs) It's fine. And and he did it. I think it was the next time the phone rang. It was him. And I was like, hey, I know what's going on. (laughs) I'm going to throw you on hold. And I think I was in back for like 20 minutes talking to him because I was because I'm not trained in this. So I got to get different answers from different people. But I'm like, I hear you. And yep. I want to get you the right answer. And, you know, ultimately the patient got served. And, and I think that was the cool part about that whole goal. Right. Is we, we acknowledged that there was some you know error on b- multiple sides but we took control of whatever we could because we couldn't change who we were talking to and it's like well this isn't working this way let's try it this way because we want this patient to eat and we have to communicate to this gentleman how to make that yep, happen and i remember you, you, all of the stuff you were telling the caregiver is mm-hmm. everything i was telling yeah. him on the phone and for some reason it wasn't he just wasn't perceiving it the way i was telling him so it was like okay i'm done getting yelled at i'm done yeah. being sweared at like mm-hmm. We're just going to hang up now. For sure. For sure. And and there's, there's, you know, even, even if I, you know, when I go and listen back to this, the, just even just tonality, there's sometimes it's just, if let's assume that that guy has had a rough time with somebody who has a similar tone of voice than you. And he just, he has a predisposition to not liking somebody (laughs) that talks the way in which you talk. It's very possible. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody uh, like on the other side, right, where 
I tend to be a pretty people focused person in the way I communicate and where my attention goes. And then I have somebody that would come in, you know, with their patient and they, they try to railroad what they want our process to be. Well, if I'm super soft about it, they're just going to push harder because mm-hmm. they, they can hear it in tone of voice. And there was some stuff that I did in working up front to adjust the way in which I spoke to limit that type of an exchange. But when it really was like, no, this is the way that we do it. Um, that was the time when I had to be like, Molly, I need you to just go walk <laughs> up front for like 10 seconds and just uh, communicate to this caregiver what's going to happen because she's thinking that what I'm saying is what we would like to have happen. There have been a couple of times I at the old clinic and a little bit here at the new clinic before we went into like the whole COVID yep where no one's allowed inside, Carla would actually come out of consults and look at me and be like, and now I need your D personality mm-hmm. to go in this room and go over this estimate. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, just just go in and do what you do. I'm like, okay, sound, sounds good. But there've also been times where I've had, got called up front for caregivers because they aren't listening to caregiver support. And they're just like, we just need Molly. So it's like, okay, here I go. What's going on? It's like, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, and I think that's, that's just kind of the cool part about working here. And I, and I, this is the only, um, uh, vet that you've been a technician at, right? So you, you, have you worked outside of PAW? I mean, I did my extern at, um, a day practice. Okay. Yeah. And it was a nightmare. <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> um, so I'll just take a little side trip. Um, so I did my, I finished up Globe, had to do my externship. I wanted to do it just strictly at PAW. Yeah. But because PAW was considered only overnights, 20, um, in emergencies at that time, not the full roundedness that we are now, it was, nope, you have to do some of it at a day practice to get the wellness and all of that experience in, and then you can do the PAW aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It went into my day practice for the first two weeks. I could just watch. Okay. I wasn't allowed to restrain. I wasn't allowed to try to draw blood, place um, IV catheters or anything like that. So it was just watching, which mm-hmm. to me is, that's that's a nightmare from me. Um, and then my first night at PAW, I was, they were having me do blood draws and trying to place catheters in restraining patients and in surgery, like not monitoring by myself, yeah. but I had um, either Kendall, Trevor, or... Um, Ronnie, both Kennel and Ronnie no longer work here, but they were in there, they were teaching me. And then it'd be back to like the day practice and it's just very limited. Like I could never excel my skills in that type of environment. Mm-hmm. Don't understand what it was, but I just couldn't. And then like I'd read the comments they would leave on my paperwork. One day I went in and I had a migraine mm-hmm. and they wrote on there, had a migraine, not very talkative today. The next week, too talkative. Mm-hmm. Cause I was asking questions on how to learn things, how to become better. And it was too talkative this week. Last week it had a migraine and then it was a bunch of different things. And I was like, I like, if I was in that environment, I mm-hmm. would be out of the field by now. Well, and that's, I, I think that that's kind of why I wanted to focus a little bit of this conversation on that, that, that black sheep type nature. Cause I think that was what was being observed is I don't know. Um, so the, the way in which I understand um, emotional reactions is, um, emotions don't have words. Um, We've just tried to associate words, even though there is not a language component of understanding emotion. And 
when somebody is frustrating, like, I, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to try to guess the words to put onto this. So sometimes it's not talkative enough and sometimes mm-hmm. it's too talkative, but it's not because they're actually being like that. It's just, I have no idea what to say and I have to say something, but I know that um, I don't know what to do with this type of a personality. So I'm just going to say that they're too talkative or not talkative enough. And then I'm going to be done with it because I know that there's a period at the end of this sentence. And for people that are, you know, uh, Brianna was probably similar to that. So I'm actually really excited for when she gets here <laughs> because she's also a higher D type personality that was lost before she found, accidentally found paw, which I think is the coolest story ever. Um, but that was it was the same thing where you know she was um, surrounded by people that didn't understand her, and then was like, oh no, well just this is just who you are, so like just be you. Like, and I can totally I relate to that a hundred percent. Growing yeah. up and going through high school and even jobs before I started here, just mm-hmm. people just didn't understand my personality type, and it was like, but this is who I am. Like right. you're just going to have to get over it now that I know who I am and I understand my personality better and I've learned how to talk like learned how to actually phrase things where I can still be me, but kind of sugarcoat it for them a little bit. Yeah. Now, if they don't like it, it's like, eh, I don't care. Like, right. okay, then I just don't need you in my life. It's fine. And I think that that's, you know, um, one of the things about being so unique in that way is it, it provides us a good opportunity to kind of look into the balance between shared purpose and individuality because, um, at least for myself, I struggle with like communicating how it is that we do that. It's really hard to be like, Hey, we all come here for the same reason, but we all do it in our own way. And, you know, because of the majority of the people that work in, in, in the industry, but because of that, the people that work here, we have, we have a lot of shared traits, mm-hmm. high altruistic people, um, you know, the more, more higher eyes, higher S, higher C's. But I think currently the only two high D type people that work here are you and Katie. Yep. Um, there might be one more that's mixed in there, but it's well, Brianna will be, but uh so between that and then like high regulatory for value high theoretical high systems judgment is most of the people that work here um all that sort of stuff you know there there's there's some commonalities but when you have an outlier in in one of those variables um what tends to happen in environments where they don't necessarily know how to handle that is it's like well i don't like that she needs to come be like this mm-hmm. like be a part of the benchmark that's that's the the phrase that i've heard too often um whereas for us it's like no like how do you serve the patient because this is how i do it and now how do we utilize both sides and like how how was that process because like you didn't know necessarily that you were going to walk into an environment that was going to say molly i want you to serve the patient in the way that you do best um so i'm sure that in and I don't know necessarily know how um, clear that process was because you've been around since like day one. Five years. I started almost a year after Carlo and Katie bought it. I think. Or it was, okay. It, yeah. Yeah. It's it been was, almost five years now. Yeah. So when I first started, we had like the core values and they had the process. But to be completely honest, so much has changed yeah. since five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that it's even though we were structured around serving the patient back then, it's more, it's something you hear everyone always saying during your shift, you serve the patient. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So everything has changed. Now it's just like you serve the patient and you're going to learn how to do it with your personality, which for me, it's just been like, yep, we're just, doesn't matter what I have to do to get through this, especially being on overnights. It's like, I'm just going to do it. It doesn't matter what's in my way. Like if there is a brick wall, I'll just, as you say, I just punch my way through it. Mm -hmm. It's just what, it's what I do. And it's like, okay, I'll run myself into the ground, but at least my patients are taken care of. Right, right. And and like, and when you talk about some of the things that have, that have changed, what are, what are you, like, what are you kind of referring to? Because I, I, I know some of the stuff that I've, <laughs> I've seen change, but like, you know, what, what do you think has been some noted differences and maybe it's just the way that we talk or. Uh, it's the way that we talk. It's also the way that we teach staff, um, from at the other clinic one we're 10 times busier now than we were then so it's easier to get the hands on but we also have different um autumn for example who's in charge of training mss instead of having five different people train one person it's one person training them Mm -hmm. that specific way trevor with cvts annie doing all of her annie things that never (laughs) seems to end for her but then it's like katie and carlo taking individual doctors and training them so it's instead of just being like everyone's going to show you different ways like what works best for you and what works best for you it's everyone now has the same process how has that been from an implementation of care perspective because now that we've i mean we since autumn's been brought on as medical staff coordinator uh or staff coordinator um that's how we've hired like 15 so at least something like that. How, how has that, how has that transition kind of been? Have you, has it been easier to kind of bring people into the, the, the mix of, of, you know, the, the, the triage flow and all that sort of stuff? The nice thing is by the time each one of them is done doing however many hours, how long they train yeah. with autumn, they're all at the same point. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether they work during the day, in the afternoon, at night, no matter who you are, you can still go up to them and they have the general skill set that they need and you can always advance that at whatever speed they're need mm-hmm. they they're at. It's not like, oh, have you learned how to do this? Have you learned how to do this yet? Where at the old clinic was like, mm-hmm. well, I think I learned this. I think I know how to do this. And it's like, oh, I never learned how to do that. Everyone knows the basic skills that they need for a shift. Yeah. And it's really it makes it ten times easier to pick it up and be like, mm-hmm. okay, you know how to do this. Let's advance that now. Like you're almost to that point. Yeah, that's actually a cool um, kind of example of the way that um, I I don't know if you've ever heard this or if you listen to the podcast about the star chart and kind of how that all originated out of Riola's brain. Yes. Um, yes. But that's a really good example of how clarity creates consistency. And also um, then you get to the point of focusing on competence and then what happens or confidence goes mm-hmm. through the roof. Right. Yep. And that's that. I think that's been one of the coolest things um, noticing it at, at this point, actually, as like a third party, because I'm not on the floor anymore and I'm still here enough. Um but it's, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit separated so I can see things happen in like bigger gaps. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird thing to watch somebody go from like that first day of like, I'm really quiet and reserved and I'm just going to tuck in and hope that I don't look like an idiot to like three weeks later. And for me, it feels like one day and they're like, they're just doing everything. They just know how to do like all of the stuff. Yep. Emily's a great example. When she first started here, I think it, would, it took more than three weeks to really get her to open up. But yeah. now that she has, it's yeah. like Emily has the best one liners. She catches oh, yeah. you off guard all the time. Like she has everyone always laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took her a while to warm up. And at first it was like, you could tell like really hesitant on what she, like she had the basic skills down and then it was advancing them. And now it's like, Hey, Emily, go get this catheter and go, go try to draw this blood, go, go do this. And it's just, and she just goes. Yeah. 
And she, uh, and actually, that's cool too because you two, um, from a data perspective, are really different. Mm-hmm. Like I think she's like a like a two in the on the in the <laughs> the D variable. You do share a high C. Um, like, and that's her leading variables, like high attention to detail. Um, it's super methodical. So in the right environment, we've seen that that works where we can have two people that are pretty substantially different in communication, background, all that sort of stuff. Like you and Emily outside of work, I would argue probably wouldn't have found each other in the world. Um, but the cool part about being here. Um, and the reason that I came here ultimately was um, there we made it work. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're, we all are here for the same reason. Now, how do we do it well? Um, have you, I, I mean, does that sound right in working with Emily? Yes, absolutely. When um, Emily started, actually, after she finished with Autumn, she was thrown into overnights with me. Yep. Um, yep. And Annie briefly talked to me about Emily's personality and how it is a complete polar opposite of myself. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of a learning curve for me, which actually helped my communication a little bit because me being very, very blunt with people, mm-hmm. um, it actually taught me that I sometimes would have to circle around to Emily and be like, hey, do you understand why I was like this or what I was saying? Or she'd ask me a question and be like, I don't have time right now to go into the long answer. Let's follow up before I end my shift. Mm-hmm. So Emily, working with Emily has definitely taught me how to communicate better. Mm-hmm. But I did notice like polar opposites of personality where it's like we both love the process and we love sticking to it. Um, but where I will go punch through a brick wall, mm-hmm. she will still go this yep. the steps to get to the same end result. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you feel like that's translated in um, like efficiency of workflow or just like, ha- you know, kind of maintaining the pace in which you're hoping for as, you know, the, the, the triage director and the way in which she actually implements the, or uh, fulfills the things that are necessary. It's really, it's actually really nice. Cause now I can, um, now that she's, she's, I don't know how long she's been here now. Yeah. Um, but it's like, okay, Emily, I need you to make this estimate. And then when you're done with that, I need you to come back and do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things where I can lay five or six things on her at a time. Mm-hmm. And I, don't have to ever worry about them being done correctly or not. Mm-hmm. And I, she, if she ever has questions, she always comes, follows back up. But it's it's really nice because when we're slammed some nights and I'm the only CBT on the floor after 8 p.m. and it's, I rely so heavily on the medical staff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just need you guys to just like take these six orders and just go with it. Yeah. And then come back to me when you're done, and they do it. Yeah, and, and I guess with that, your percent, you know, number one, there's never really been um, a fear of asking questions along the way, right? So, like, even though you know you preface the way in which you communicate with people, like, mm-hmm. hey, if I give you these five things, and you come to me with the third one looking for an answer, like, I'll give it to you, but it's gonna be quick, it's gonna be snappy, and it might hurt a little bit, but it's not because I'm trying to be a mean person. It's just like we're just we're just moving. We're just going. And when you can when you can give the color before it actually happens, it doesn't necessarily make it not sting, but mm-hmm. it does make it sting a little bit less. And um, now, like when I'm here and it's wild and crazy and, you know, I'm just walking through and watching everything happen, like everyone's just going. Um, and there's there's there, the cool part about it is there's no hesitancy in how you're communicating because um, we've either we either understand how everyone does communicate or um, I guess that's actually the way in which it is right like we know mm-hmm. how people hear things we know how people say things and it's just there's no 
um, there's no emotional management um, when it when we're on the floor. And I, I like honestly, like to me, that's the only way that this place works. <laughs> because when you're ten times busier than you were three years ago, it's like, well, there's only so much time for words anymore, guys. Yep, it just it's coming out out of out of your mouth, however yeah. your brain wants it to, and. Whenever you're on the floor, you can tell everyone is so focused on what they're doing. The yep. emotional aspect is out of it. Yep. And then when we kind of slow down, if we had a critical patient, um, multiple euthanasias in a row, which we know that can happen, everyone kind of just checks in or we just kick back, we joke around a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's like when we need to go, everyone just goes and no one cares how they're communicating with anyone because we're just doing what we need to do. We're, we're talking processes through. Mm -hmm. um, I remember Caitlin's a good example. Uh, I think it was Christmas. There was like three hours where it was just Caitlin and I on the floor. Yeah. And I think her and I worked, we counted, it was 15 patients, just her and I and a doctor in that three hour period. Cause all we did for that three hour period, we just communicated. Yeah. Yep. And we didn't care how we said things to mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. And we got them out the door. Like we worked through it fast and it was a challenge, but yeah. And, it, and it's not like you not caring turned into being belligerent. No, you weren't no. bullying on each other, right? <laughs> yeah, no, we were not bullying on each other. It was just just coming across very blunt, like, I'm doing this, I need you to do this. Or her being like, hey, I'm doing this, can you do this? Mm -hmm. Even though I was directing triage, she was still telling me what she needed for me to help her. Mm -hmm. And that kind of collaboration is um, super rare uh, in my personal opinion, which, you know, my, my gut data is, you know, it's a gut feeling, but I've seen enough teams and know the way in which people talk about, talk to each other and talk about each other and all that sort of stuff. Um, but actually, uh, one, I, I don't, I'm, I'm doubting you're familiar with it, but have you ever, uh, heard the story about the, uh, I don't remember his name, uh, the guy that landed the plane in the Hudson river and the process by which they landed the plane. Sully. In, yeah. Are you familiar with that story? That's what this place is all the time, <laughs> yes. right? Yes, it is. Like, like the idea of like not like there, we're, it doesn't matter, guys. We got to land this plane. <laughs> like, there's no time for you to think I'm a mean person as I tell you what to do. I'm probably gonna say some f words <laughs> along the way. I can't. <laughs> and 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 because of that fact, we're gonna land this plane. And ultimately it worked. And that's, that is one of the most notable story. Like when with the stuff that I read, it comes up like 30% of the time in all the books I read, because it's such a cool example of an event that everybody tries to emulate. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's actually trying to create a culture of true collaboration. And, and, and the reason that it's written about so much is because it's freaking hard to do. Like the, you know, you think about what it was four years ago, especially once 24 hour came around, like, I know that the collaboration wasn't there and I didn't even work here. Like how was, how do you kind of see what that growing process was like going from, you know, we've had a lot of attrition, number one, there's been a lot of people that couldn't handle it, but also like how, you know, with, um, you know, when you talk about the workload that Annie has, like a lot of that is, um, uh, teaching education about communication and culture and how it is that things operate around here and how to fit into that well mm -hmm. with also being yourself like tell me a little bit about what that transition was like from a first person perspective <laughs> and you can use as many naughty words as you have to so just transitioning from being open the few hours that we were to 24 hours i remember because i'd work the 6 p.m to midnights or whenever i would leave because i was always here 
yeah. I, late. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be hands on with things. It's mm -hmm. that's how I learned. To then coming over to 24 hours, I remember it started out as this gradual slow. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, we had a couple patients during the day. 6 p.m. would come, just get hit with patients, and we got really good at working through whatever patients we had in that clinic by midnight, 1 a.m. Mm -hmm. And then it slowly started actually getting busier and busier and busier. And then all of a sudden, like your four to midnight people are staying late until two, three, four in the morning to try to help clear those patients out. But from like the old clinic perspective of being open 24 hours, it's like, huh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we saw some patients. Now here it's average patient counts, what, 45 a day or something like that? Uh, that's what last year was, yeah. yes. So In which I, I uh, currently um, we are um, on pace to, we're, we're outpacing last year already as well. Yeah, and then transitioning to coming into here and then COVID happening and it was just like this yeah. big shit show of... <laughs> I have no better way to explain that. It was just a big shit show of everything that could possibly happen at once. It did. Move into a new clinic, try to get set up. Bam, COVID. Mm -hmm. Now we're fucking swamped. Yeah. And it just, it kind of hasn't stopped. Our average patient count where we thought like, oh yeah, we can move in. We'll have some time to settle in, figure shit out. Nope, just full send and it hasn't stopped. And then it's uh, been insane. Did that, did that surprise you? The, the COVID reaction to us going from like busy to like, holy cats, like, there's a lot of patients. So I expected us when we moved in here, I expected us to get busy and busier. Mm -hmm. I should say, like, we all knew that was going to happen. It's a bigger clinic. Yeah. Like, we're going to have more doctors, mm -hmm. um, more kennel space. And then COVID happened. And it's like, I'd come into my shift and the triage bar is full of clipboards. And it's like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on? <laughs> <laughs> like, like every time. Every, every, every day you walk in here, it was just look at the bar and it's like, Okay, here we go again. And then it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, you have XX and X patients that all need surgery tonight. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay, <laughs> like, oh, let's just do it again. Yeah. Um, how, how has that been in terms of kind of like, you know, the sustainability or like you personally? Because like I, I think that out of, um, you know, all of our our folks and again knowing that you're unique and the reason that we wanted you to maintain that was like well we know that the person that can put the helmet on and beat through the brick wall <laughs> is going to be able to handle these higher stress situations probably a little bit better but also uh, more frequently it's it you know generally speaking you know your durability is probably a little bit higher than some other folks is i know it's greater than mine's substantially i get i remember i would uh when i was working um the day shifts like I had like a, I had like a four day maximum <laughs> and like That's if I funny. would if I would I would get to day five which I could do five days but the fifth day was gonna be rough and um the fourth of July span at the old place, the last one at the old place was a five dayer, mm -hmm. and everybody that's, worked. That's that, a rough one. That was that. That was like when I realized that that was just too much <laughs> for everybody. And uh, but like you know, you talk about this this like just walking in, and you know that when you get here at six, there's going to be fifteen patients that are here at varying stages. Like that's the go to number. If 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 it's not more than that, how how have you kind of um, taught yourself to be okay with that, I guess. Well, one of the things that I've always kind of been good at is the lack of sleep, functioning on a lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. I did it when going through Globe as a teenager, um, and then also just 
I can still function on a lack of sleep even if I'm not working. The way I've kind of coped with coming in and having 15 patients on the bar and I've learned like I kind of ease my way into the shift, get the doctor that's coming on shift with me, Heather, Rhiannon, like get them settled in with our hospitalized patients. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things Carlo taught me is like, we're just going to do it. Like it doesn't matter. We're just going to do it. And I've learned nonlinear triage where it's like, okay, you're here for a urine recheck, but you have 13 patients ahead of you. Let me just get this estimate going and- Find your efficiencies, basically. Find my efficiencies. Find my way to still make sure all the patients are getting served. But when I have the downtime to run a urine, be able to do that to kind of speed up some of the other processes that are going around in the clinic. Mm -hmm. Walking in and having 15 patients on the bar, it's still kind of like one of those what the fuck moments, what's going on. But it's just it's what we do. And then adding in a couple surgeries throughout the night now, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, it's in when you when you had walked in you know we had kind of asked about like you know how like that sometimes it can kind of wear on you a little bit too and uh i think i think that happens to everybody like you know working here makes you it doesn't it's not a an, an intentional shift but um it changes you a little bit because um you know you see you see more stuff you see you know sick patients especially you know, for, uh, you know, my, my perspective and caregiver support is you, you take people that have literally never worked in this world mm-hmm. and you, you immediately accelerate them almost to the extreme of seeing everything that's sick. Um, you know, it, the, the higher euthanasia volume by nature of seeing everybody that's sick yep. and, um, you know, higher emotional volatility, that sort of stuff. And, I think that is a little bit of an easier transition because there's none of that middle ground. There's none of there like the expectations of like sunshine and rainbows get thrown out the window pretty immediately. I can't, uh, one of the new C- newer CSS that came in and they're like, "Oh, she's really cheerful and really pleasant." <laughs> and me being the person I am, just kind of joking around with them. I think it was Sid who said it, and I think they said it about Trinity. And I was just kind of joking around. Sid's one of the newer um, MSS hires who's. Um, caught on really really quickly and she's like oh she's really cheerful and really pleasant i just turned and looked at sid and i'm like don't worry we'll fix that <laughs> just like just out of the blue and i'm like oh shit i, I can't I, say I, that i definitely know that you have said that more than once about multiple people <laughs> i'm pretty sure you said that about me and i'm pretty sure we broke you of your happy sunshine and rainbow <laughs> it, it was it was the, the first time i, re- I remember like my first week of working here in the, the first time I learned how to shift my voice, uh, I it, literally the first day I was on the phone by myself, like four phone calls in a row, two of those four, I got F bombed at by people. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> it, it, right. And that was, uh, Annie was sitting right next to me and she's like, yep, yeah, you'll just have to, you're going to learn how to talk to make that not happen. And and you know now we've you know part of that 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 learning process and getting more people in the right places to avoid that it has been pretty good, um, and I kind of lose my train of thought here. Um, so, w- <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> oh, I love I love doing these sometimes. Um, sust- oh, there it is. This place changes you, right? <laughs> Uh, how how have you you know one thing I don't know if you've seen as much change from you know kind of day one to now as maybe some other people have you know you take like Hannah for example like Hannah was Hannah CSS or Hannah MSS uh, Hannah MSS MSS yeah yep so Hannah was like probably the most bubbly person that has ever worked here and um, <laughs> if she's listening to this. I know that she drove you nuts. <laughs> oh, when- we, we actually, we were talking about that the other night. 
and how bubbly and cheerful she was and trying to get her to focus. And we were Mm -hmm. talking about it with Heather. Um, When she first started, Heather and I had to like yell direction at Hannah and she knows this and Hannah actually informed me that when she first started working with me she would go home and cry at night because of me I was like no you didn't she's like yes I actually did I'm like oh crap but but yeah no Hannah's made the biggest personality like she still kept her very bubbly very cheerful personality but to where she is now like that sunshine rainbow part of her has kind of drawn back a little bit and allowed her to push forward more and utilizing her skills and understanding the medicine and i I think that's the biggest um variable to notice in that shift right is like you uh, i again i think anytime that you walk into a long-term engagement whether it's work a relationship a hobby Anything will change you in some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form, and this place is no different. And and that that's um, kind of that that's like super bubbly, um, super cheerful stuff. Like I want to, I the word I can come up with, you get a little bit jaded, um, especially yeah. if you don't know what to do with it. Um, but but that's not the right term because there's a part of jaded that's that's um. Uh, wrapped up in bitterness. And I don't know if we really have a problem with bitterness or like resentment in terms of us versus them, in terms of caregivers and patients. The thing that changes is you go from um, one reality to another and you have to be a different, uh, you have to just be different in a different reality because when the variables are substantially different, if you maintain what you are over here, that reality is going to run you over, mm-hmm. whether that's emotionally or just like the physical demands get to you, that sort of stuff. And um, the the cool part about the way that the training process and onboarding and all that has shifted that is the reality becomes uh, is is real much sooner. So it's it's less of a uh, a slow burn and it's it, it we've actually probably catered more towards the way that you would have originally told somebody what working here is like where it's like no we're just gonna drop the hammer <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> right right and and what ha- what that's done is it's it's given people the opportunity if they want to try it out they're welcome to and we know that if it doesn't fit it doesn't fit and there's no hard feelings mm-hmm. anything like that um, and if it's, if they know it's not right, right off the bat, like, thanks for your time. Like, I hope you find success elsewhere. And then when it's right, they're stuck because they know, <laughs> like, not that they're like, like poor, like badly stuck, but like there's the, the thought process is, well, what else can I do now? Because now I really like the fact that I know what reality is and I know how to act in it. And I think that was one of the tipping points. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to ask Hannah about it, but I think that was kind of her tipping point was she had a little bit more of the slow burn, um, which uh, we learned a lot from, and I think she learned a lot from mm-hmm. too. Um, but uh, for, for her, like now that she's in that portion of reality, she's still Hannah. Like everyone knows that Hannah's still a, a, a polite uh, she's a very people focused person. Um, she cares a lot about everybody that's here, whether that be team or caregivers. Yep. Um, and she wants the best for everybody that's here, but it's also kind of provided her some additional language and not just foul language, <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in the way in which she communicates. Mm-hmm. And 
part of that's due to having worked with you a substantial amount, but also just being able to be herself in a new set of reality. Um, now coming back to you, like, did you know that the reality was what it was? Because I think a part of it is that you did. And that was why the emergency side was more appealing to you. The overnight, the, the, when it's wild type stuff. Um, so was that a part of the, like, was, was you just more attracted to that? And then since then, how, you know, you've, you've actually maybe gone the other way where you've, you were maybe a little bit too abrasive and you've come <laughs> back up. How has that process kind of been for, from like original attraction to wanting to be here to today? So always, um, since Katie and I can't remember her, the other lady's name came to globe and told us about one of the emergency cases. I've always been extremely interested in emergency medicine. It's just the fact of just go, 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 go. And then you get this critical patient that comes in and your brain's just like thinking about this patient all night. That's where your whole focus is. And yeah, I started out extremely abrasive. And now today it's like, I still love every aspect of the emergency medicine part. Working overnights, I see more of that. Like if you ask me a wellness question or ask me to do a dental, it's, yeah. eh, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. But now it's not as abrasive and just kind of learned how to just not lose myself and not get emotionally attached to things that go on. Mm -hmm. um, how have you, um, ha have you found that you've seen like notable differences in like the way you think or like um, how, I guess maybe it, you know, have you, were you more reactionary before? Were, were you more volatile before? And yep, kind of definitely, shifted? definitely someone would say something to me before. And if I didn't like it, it was just like full send. Now mm -hmm. it's something, someone that says something they don't like to me. It's like, okay, let's stop. Let's think, how do we want to phrase this? Or we're just going to ignore it. So definitely working here has taught me how to communicate better outside of work as well yeah and i yeah i guess like how has that kind of worked out in like personal life or you know working at some of the other places that i know you kind of moonlight at <laughs> how's, 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 how has that kind I of mean, gone everyone at yamaha um minus eric because he's dealt with me for 10 years <laughs> um they're pretty much all terrified of me <laughs> My, uh, minus the owner jerry yeah. or his wife so so but but you've been there for a long time like uh, just you know. three years i've been helping out there so they all know my personality yeah. but some of them like they it's like i don't hate you i just like it's kind of fun knowing that you're terrified of me i'm just <laughs> gonna keep making it worse to mess with them now <laughs> I, I guess is that um you know that that part of your life number one it's a it's a hobby right it's a hobby. so you really like you know that that world um gives me an excuse to be outside and in the sun and keeps me busy during the summer right so. right um and then you know i guess a part of that too is do you kind of um do you, do you take the 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 kid gloves off there a little bit too do you ever like find yourself like reverting back to some of like this the more reactionary stuff because like i know for me um i, I i'm a, i'm a kind of a it to a fault i'm a professional at wearing different hats <laughs> <laughs> where um in one setting i can kind of be one person and another in another because you know, every reality for me is a little bit different. I can be a different person. And if I you know, actually, one of the things that mo surprises a lot of people, because um, those that know me know that I tend to not shut up kind of like right now, <laughs> <laughs> but um, am I, if I'm in an environment where I don't know anybody, I'm really, really quiet. I don't talk to anyone. I'm really uncomfortable. So like, 
I tend to kind of be a little bit of an enigma based on where I'm at. Um, for you, um, do you tend to be more consistent? Like whatever you are, where you are, this is Molly. Take it, take what you get. Or <laughs> so it's actually, it's, it's funny you brought that up. Eric and I were talking about this not too long ago. Um, it doesn't matter where you run into us. If it's at work at Walmart or you come over to our house for dinner, we are going to be we for conveniently who we are, no matter where we are. You're not going to see us at Walmart and have us be happy and cheerful, pleasant people. We're just going to be who we are. Our personalities never change. We never put on different different hats, as you say. Um, we're still. He still looks like he wants to kill everybody, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm still that extremely blunt person. We're at home. It's the same exact thing. Like you come over, we're going to give you a hard time and I'm going to be blunt about stuff you do to my property that you shouldn't be in. Yeah. I don't care if you never come back because yeah. you don't like it. Right. It, it, like, I guess, how do, how do you see that? Like, I mean, you've been with him for 10 years, so obviously something's working, right? But <laughs> have you found that to be like an easier way of kind of going about things where it's like, I'm just, I'm just me. And if you like it, great. If you don't, great. It's At least just, we both know. It is just how we are. Like 10 years being with him, it taken, it's taken yeah. him quite a while to get used to my personality. But for the mm -hmm. most part, it's this is who I am. You don't like it, you can get over it. For him, it's just, it's the same thing. Like he's turning 30 this year and doesn't have any wrinkles or anything like that. Like it's straight face all the time, mm -hmm. which is fine. I've gotten used to it. And some people are like, why are you always so crabby? Why don't you ever smile? And it's like, eh, this is just it's who he is. Right. Like it's fine. Yep. It's just even. It's, 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 it's just even. It's just even. Like, you know, when he's happy, you just kind of learn. Yep. Um, if you could tell yourself um, anything five years ago, what would it be? Totally on the spot question. That is really on the spot question. Yeah. It's one of my favorite ones, though, because it does make you like, <laughs> I know that I would have a hard time answering that for myself. Um, because I would want to be like super contemplative about it, but like in your gut, like what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like thinking about who you were five years ago, right around, you know, when you were in school, um, versus, you know, the, the, with the wisdom that you have now, what would you want to tell that person? God, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Were you ever, was there ever a point in your, uh, life where, um, the way in which you behaved provided you a lack of confidence because so many people or like there was a number of people telling you to stop being that person. Yeah, kind of when I was in high school. Yeah. Yep. Tell me about that. Uh, it was just a lot of people didn't like my personality from teachers to like the school guidance counselors, whatever you want to call yeah. them, yeah. um, to like superintendents, other students, um, people I used to work for previous bosses. They just didn't like my personality. And they're like, you can't act like this. And it was, they didn't know how to handle me. It was, eh, I was in high school. I like to rebel against everything possible. Mm -hmm. It's like, eh, we don't know how to handle this. So we're just going to keep pushing you down and trying to make you fit everybody else. And in their social groups and it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And then, like, obviously, you know, we kind of referred to it earlier about some of the probable shenanigans that Molly got into. <laughs> the, when the she extremely was in high far left. <laughs> right, right. We got we got bumped left, and we we're like, you know what? Let's just keep going that way. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I, I guess you know, with that, um, was there ever like other jobs, anything like that? There were that were trying to put the binders on you a little bit, or anything like that. Yep, working at Arby's um, and selling cars. Believe it or not, mm -hmm. have that wonderful, intense personality that you think would go good selling cars. It was just 
you can't act, you can't have this type of personality. We need you to be this instead. Okay. And okay. But how were your results though? Like, did you, could you actually sell? Oh, I could. But they just didn't oh, like people, you. Oh, people, like everybody loved me, well, customer wise, but yeah. the company itself didn't like me and didn't like who I was. And it was like this expect, expectation that you have to change who you are mm -hmm. in order to work here or in order to fit in. Okay. Inter were you, um, I mean, I'm assuming that communication within the team was probably a little bit strained with that kind of a mindset. Does that, um, was, was that the reasoning behind it or did they ever give you a reasoning behind it? Not that I can honestly remember. Um, it pretty much came down to one night. I had enough of being told like, oh, well, this is how you should do it. This is how you should communicate. Like you can't be yourself. And I just kind of stopped showing up. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the it one of the other. It was just one of the, like, yeah, and I'm done. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I guess that's another thing too. Like, do you ever, do you think that you are quicker to make um, decisions like that than maybe some, some like your peers or family or just your general like friend group, anything like that? I or? definitely make decisions faster than my friends, my friends in my friends group where they'll sit down and oh, pros and cons. And can we do this? Let's mm -hmm. go talk about it with significant others. And I'm just like, eh, and I'm done. <laughs> just, just really quick on the spot. Like, yeah. I don't care. I'll figure something out. How do you see that play out with, um, yeah, kind of like the, the long term, right? Because um, one of the things that I think that's mixed up is um, knowing the variables that I focus on. You've got a high D type personality, which is going to be really direct, really decisive. So that's that's kind of the operative word. Like once a decision's made, I'm going to be decisive and I'm going to go with it, mm -hmm. right? Whereas the where it gets mixed up is the difference between systems thinking and practical thinking. And typically when you're a systems thinker, um, you analyze a lot of variables at whatever speed in which you can and you make a decision based on where you were and where you're going and where you are now versus a practical thinker will tend to see a solution and seek to acquire whatever solution is possible uh, or a problem solution go, mm -hmm. right? Like there's, they're more worried about like what's around them, not necessarily how they got here or what the impact of that decision will be. Now that person can get you out of some hot water really, <laughs> really fast. Uh, my mom is a super practical thinker. Like she's, um, she, she has the ability to systems think. However, um, when it comes to generating solutions, she's the fastest person that I know. Um, but for you, you lean more systems and there's a, there's a weird correlation between those two things because um, when you're really decisive, especially if you don't let somebody go on that journey that we kind of talked about mm -hmm. earlier, they think that you're just making some crappy snap decision because you just want to get out of hot water where in fact, you're just sticking to the decision that you made based on the variables that you've acquired. I, I guess like how has that, have you realized that number one and how have you, if you have, how has that played out or how have you communicated that to other people? I, I've somewhat realized it. I'm able to process and figure out that pros and cons list yeah. really, really fast. Yeah. Like, what do I like? What do I don't like? Okay. Yep. I'm leaving. Yep. But normally once when I make that decision, it's really, it's just, that's what I made. And yep. don't really care what anyone else thinks if they mm -hmm. like it or not. Um, it pretty much is, it's like when I went to school, like laid out the pros and cons, I was able to do the breakdown of everything I did. Mm -hmm. But then when it came time to making this, this, the decision to go to globe, it's like, nope, this is where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And 
surprise of back in school. Like one of those situations. Um, For me, it's just, we're going to make it really, really fast and we're going to get it done and over with. So we're not hemming and hawing and for the next six months. How do you do with that in terms of like managing hindsight? Like, do you look back? No. Like never? Never. See, I find that. Oh, wait, actually I can look back on one situation. Okay. Don't go to Globe University. <laughs> Does Globe, I don't even think Globe exists anymore. They don't, but yeah. like I can look back on that one. Don't go to Globe, you're in way too much debt. <laughs> way too much. Fair enough. Yep. Um, so, but, but other than, I, cause even with that, right, you can, you can take that as an example, but why are you looking back? Well, th- that, that reality has projected itself into today. Like that's, uh, you know, when we, when, uh, it, Carlo spends a lot of time, especially when we're you know, like, uh, students in here are really near when we had Lauren and Christina and talking mm-hmm. about like, um, the debt to income ratio, that sort of stuff. That is not necessarily a, um, I regret the decision because it was a crappy decision. It was, well, I didn't know this was going to be a bad decision, but now I have to real, real uh, live with the real consequences. Um, so although hindsight is now 2020, um, it's not because I regretted the decision at the time. It's just now this consequence sucks that no one told me about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, but kind of going back to where I was hoping to kind of, I guess I, I know generally the people that t- listen to this in they're mostly in vet school or, you know, vet techs that are in school mm-hmm. or early career because um, part of the way in which we talk, focusing really heavy on force of change, a big part of that is saying not everybody on your team should be the same. In fact, encourage diversity. Um, you know, with the folks that are in the mentorship system at MSU. I don't know if you're familiar with that really much at all, but it, yeah. It's, in conversations it, with Carlo, that's like, about it. Yeah, so the big thing with that has been a promotion of diversity mm-hmm. and uh, promotion, not necessarily like, you know, um, gender and race and all that sort of stuff, which AVMA is doing, which they're going to do what they do. We have no control over that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it more or less focusing on behavioral and saying you can be unique you can be yourself, you can be different, and um, it, you can still realize a, a level, excuse me, of success that, you know, you might not think you can. And, you know, when you think, like, when I think about that idea of looking back and um, re- you know, having regrettable decisions, like I do it, I don't necessarily regret a whole lot of stuff, but I'm really, really good at being retrospective. <laughs> um, like, a, a part of and my brain is putting a thought together, so I apologize as I work my way through just, this a little bit. Yeah, we're just going on the bunny trail. <laughs> um, I, I I think that when you talk about the the school decision and like you're real, you're living with real consequence, right? Um, and I'm talking about diversity. Well, the thing that I don't want to have happen to people is being a diverse person and then shifting your who you are into something else. And then living that out and then thinking that it was the school's problem. So definitely not the, like super happy. I went to school to become a CBT, right, super right. happy, love the career choice I, I made. Mm-hmm. I hate the consequence of the mass amounts of debt I've, I've yeah. acquired from it, Yeah, but I yeah. wouldn't go back and I wouldn't change where right. I went to school from. Um, I met, I met Annie at Globe University. Mm-hmm. It's just the consequence of the amount of debt that I have that I will be paying off. Yeah. Unfortunately, 
Yeah, like I'm 85. But 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 now and that and, and don't get me wrong. I think there's a there's a, a whole thing that we could a good go and talk on that. But the <laughs> thing I want you to think about is imagine if you also changed who you were. And every time that you left work or you showed up at work, whatever, there was some sort of like this seed of like, I don't like this person because it's not me. And like, if you had a system that said, nope, you got to be this type of like that time when you were working in day practice and there were maybe not a, a forceful shift, but you know, there's there over time, people potentially will put you into a box of, I want you to be this person. And that slow transition turning into almost you resenting yourself and you can then say like, well, in hindsight, I wouldn't have gone to school. Like I would have regretted entering the industry mm-hmm. because now look at who I am. I'm living with real consequences from like a behavioral and emotional yep. perspective. I started here as this personality that I right. loved and this person that I liked and now I'm all the way down here and I can't stand right. who I am. I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be able to do that if I actually had to go through that slow change and change mm-hmm. my personality and still be in this field. I would be at that position where it's like, I don't like any of this anymore right. and I'm going to go find something. And it would ultimately probably lead, be one of the reasons why so many people leave the field, CBT wise doctors, and unfortunately burn them out too, is trying to be someone they're actually not. So they come into work and they have to have this persona of who they are to make everyone else happy, but then they have to leave work and now they have to make everybody else happy outside mm-hmm. of work to fit their expectations of who they should be right. instead of it's Nope, this is who I am. This is just who you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's what I, like that's why I wanted to focus on that because you're not afraid of that. And and that's it's definitely a highlight of being a higher D type person. Like you're you're less focused on the people variables and more focused on results variables. But there's value in that. And that's why I love the assessment for what it is, because it doesn't put you in a box. It says you can be any one of these things at any time. It's find find what you're trying to do and pull that tool when you have to. Like you're going to have your tendencies and who you are. But Mm -hmm. if I really have to be, I can be the most decisive person in the room. I don't necessarily want to be or I don't if if somebody else is going to be, I'll defer to that person to be them. Um, but you can do that. And, and when you're, when I'm thinking about the people that are going through that process of professional development, like the early stages, um, you're going to graduate with a debt load. That's, that's shitty enough, right? (laughs) Don't put yourself into a box where you don't like yourself too, because Mm -hmm. I, and and I, you know, I think that's a cool part of, you know, maybe I'm just coming now to the realization that that's what's actually happening is it's not just the debt load, right? Like we do, when you talk about the industry overview, there's loss of self-worth. That's the, a part of that is debt to income ratio. And this is kind of how those two things play together. Like don't lose who you are and be so indebted to this thing that you thought was going to be good. Like you either have to stay in it or you have to live with too much debt for the rest of your life. Um, I guess, does that, am I, am I off my rocker? You're you're always good. You're always good at telling me when I'm like going a little bit crazy. It it honestly, it makes perfectly good sense. Like you come out of school, like don't change who you are to fit into a field, find a clinic um, or a shelter or wherever you want to work within your CVT realm doctor, find a clinic that will allow you to grow as a person, but never expects you to change who you are. Mm-hmm. That way you still always have that self-worth. You always get the fulfillment that you want 
And then you come into work, you're like, yep, this is who I am. And you leave work, this is who I am. And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I have some debt. And that's just a small portion of it now where it's like, I love my job. I can walk in here every day saying that I love working at the clinic. I love working with the animals. I love working with the staff. We have inside jokes now when I work with them of me having to wear a caution tag. <laughs> but it's like, I can actually come into work and say, I love where I work. Whereas if I was in that day practice setting where it's like, here's who you are, but we need you to be this instead, mm -hmm. I would have already left the field. Right. And, and, I, and I think that that, you know, when you talk about your job history and kind of the way that you've bounced around, the one thing you didn't mention was money. I don't know if you would ever have a problem making money. Like you're a skilled person that's willing to work your ass off. Like mm -hmm. th in theory, you could go anywhere and make enough money to sustain yourself comfortably. Um, but what you had mentioned was, you know, a corporate environment tried to put you into a box and then the sales environment tried to put you into a box and you didn't like either of those. And it was, nope, I'm gone. High school tried to put me in a box right, and, and nope, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> so like, <clears throat> excuse me. There's there's a there's some wisdom to be had in that and and that's why I I love like your story at least as I know it and uh because like I said I've seen it from the beginning and I didn't even know what the words were when I first met you and we first started working together because it was like no Molly don't change who you are. And like, there were definitely times where we were working with other people that don't work here anymore. And it's like, well, you would ask me like, what do I have to do to change to make this better? And I'd say nothing, like, not, not that I wouldn't say anything, but you change nothing. Like sometimes you just have to stick to your guns mm -hmm. and, and they have to come around to who you are because knowing, you know, when you have a little bit more insight as to what's actually happening or knowing the way in which those variables are playing against each other. You know, I, thankfully I was in a position to know some of that stuff. Um, I, I can clearly remember it's like, nah, just, just ride it out. Like they're going to have to learn because, um, it's, there wasn't anything inherent, like you were doing something wrong. Like you weren't being intentionally malicious like the way in which the question was asked was I see a communication gap that is inhibiting our ability as a team to serve the patient. How do I close that gap? Well, mm -hmm. it's like, well, you just keep serving the patient because they're actually the ones that have the wrong mindset. They're not thinking about serve the patient. So until they come to that part of the table there, it's you win. Like you're, there's no way of getting around that. Like how, how was that process for you? And like, just kind of toughen that out and knowing that you were around some people that maybe didn't fit the, 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 the setting the greatest or like you just had those significant barriers in communication, um, knowing that the intention was to serve the patient. That was a challenge. That was a, ch that it's, it's a huge, huge challenge when you know, you're both there for the same reason. Yeah. Everyone wants to serve the patient. They want the best outcome of the patient, mm -hmm. but not being able to communicate that with somebody mm -hmm. either because they don't want to listen um, mm -hmm. or because you don't want to explain it well enough because one, you've had enough of them. They're not listening to you. There's no respect or anything like that there. It's a huge barrier. And then just it's like a brick wall that you just can't break down. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. How does this change? And it's like, nope, I just kept doing my job. And it was like, and I'm not going to change how I'm going to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. And either way, it works out in the end. They either hang out, they figure out how to start communicating with you, or like you said, 
they leave because right. they're not a good fit. Well, right. And and I think that that's um, another one of those things where um, the, the toppled hierarchy, right? That mm-hmm. was, one, I think, one of the biggest things in that process of... Um, I, I actually think that that got brought up. Actually, uh, a couple podcasts ago, we had brought up the first uh, after action. Uh, that, that was with Lauren house. and Christina. Yeah, that, yeah. that hot box. <laughs> the four and a half hour long after action. Molly yes. comes off of like working an 18 hour shift, gets a two hour nap in, and then yeah. goes sits in an after action for yeah. four and a half hours. And you weren't even the one that was passing out. The one that was on <laughs> Hydro was. <laughs> I mean, I do give her credit. She did show up after having a major abdominal she surgery. toughed it out. Yeah. Um, but like that, that was you know, kind of the thing, right. Of, mm-hmm. um, in that moment, like, and especially thereafter, and that was the realization of like, well, yeah, Molly's blunt and you know, she said some stuff and, um, I still, I remember that. I remember that case to a T. Do you? I still remember that case. I remember the after action. I remember it. We still have all of the big three by five note cards too. Oh yes, yeah, they're and, still all at yep. the city house. Yep. Um, I remember almost nothing out of it, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I, I remember it because it allowed me to be in my head to be like, "I fucking told you so." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and um, in the the thing that I think is worth highlighting in that is. <sighs> the reason that I've never really challenged you on who you are is because I don't know if you've ever walked in to work with a mindset that's outside of serve the patient. You ever find yeah, like, have you? That not you that I've ever, that, not that I've ever noticed. Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever waver on that or like, are there, do you ever catch yourself? Cause, cause I think we all waver on it. I think naturally when we're in like difficult circumstances, like we're just getting our ass kicked um, difficult caregivers, that sort of stuff. Like there's, there is a little bit of a self-defense mode. The end of this summer, we all were in survival (laughs) mode, right? Like a part of that is like, I need to focus on me. And when I'm focused on me, it's, it's harder to focus on serve the patient. Um, how do you feel like you waver on that? Like how, like, do you ever catch yourself out of it where you have to like, Nope, Molly, you got to go this way. Or is it, do you, do you think that you're pretty steady on that? And even though you have your ebbs and flows, like you never really get off of that. I would say even through the summer when I'm here, Mm -hmm. um, I'm here to work. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how tired I am or what's going on in my personal life. Um, if I'm having a bad day, if, there are times I do walk in, and as, as Annie says, I come in a little hot. Mm-hmm. Um, normally when those days go on, I just go take five minutes outside to myself and then re-enter in the room. But when I'm here, I'm here to work. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what I have going on in my personal life. So I try not to, like, waver too outside of lines. It's like, yeah, I'm a little tired today. Yeah, I'm a little crabby. But it's like, nope, we're still just going to do what we need to do. Yeah, that's um, – I, I think from – a, a, a team sustainability and uh, kind of just maintaining that mindset is probably one of the most valuable things um, that we that we have as a whole. And um, actually, to this point, um, you know, I, I've I've worked equal amounts of time with, with yourself, Sarai, and Trevor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that especially since we moved and in the last year, they've even come more towards the way in which you handle that. Where it's like. <laughs> It is what it is. We're going to get done what we're going to get done. And then we're going to be done with it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it, there's no, there's not even a, like, it, emotionally, it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's not easy to do. Um, but 
the fact that we're all here to do it, let's just get it done. And, and I, I, I think it's kind of just a cool transition that's kind of happened. And now even, especially with the fact that we ended up busy 24 hours a day <laughs> for 10 months, um, even now it's, it, that's one of those things that has, it's, it's uh, a mindset that's shifted up um, into when the sun is up and, and now the, um, the lines between the day crew and the night crew, even though there's been deliberate measures to try and get rid of that, um, those lines have been blurred just by nature of Mm -hmm. influence and just like, we're just going to get it done guys. Also the days that you work 10 to 10 uh, AM to PM are some of my favorite days. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if you ever actually been in the clinic when I work AM to PM. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, And, and and things get done. I mean, I did work one week at an a.m. to a p.m. and it resulted in a thirty-minute phone call to Carlo. Um, <laughs> just like, what the fuck just happened this weekend? <laughs> like, I don't understand why I feel like I just jumped off a cliff and survived, and I'm so tired. <laughs> like, I worked four days in a row on an overnight shift, and I think it equals out to almost seventy-two hours yeah. in those four days. Yeah. It's like, and I just worked twenty-four and two twelve-hour shifts. Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Yeah, it's a lot. That's it's it's a ton. But but there's also like that's one of the the nice things about like kind of blending everybody out is is we've 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 um, because you are unique. We've gotten we've had the opportunity as a team to appreciate the value of it and kind of you know lean that way when we have to. I guess is maybe a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. And also for yourself, like when it's not super crazy busy, like you know, sometimes you can sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that at the beginning after COVID happened yeah. and we started entering in winter and we'd have a couple of those nights where we had a little bit and I'm watching everyone and they're all like, like clinics clean at this point. Now they're just wandering around trying to keep themselves busy because like of the mindset, like I'm here to work and it's like, okay, I get that. But like sit down and relax, take 15 minutes to yourself and relax. Cause you're not going to get this very often. Yeah. It's like, I know the moment summertime comes and it's like, here we go again. Like, okay, let's just do this. And part of me is like, "Ah, I'm a little nervous. Like, I'm, eh, how is this going to work? And it's like, and we'll just do it. Yep. How's your, I mean, it's at this point, it's the end of March. How's your mindset? Like, you ready? Just bring it on. It's happening. Like, (laughs) I like. Let's just start it now so we can finish it down in (laughs) next December. Can we just, like, just like, just keep ripping this band aid off? Like, let's just rip it off. Let's just start the summertime. Like, let's just do it now. Um, Molly, this was, uh, I, at this point, we're actually over an hour in case you were, I have not wondered. um, I have some other stuff that I got to get set up in here, but, uh, I'm glad we got to do this. I, I think that, um, your story and kind of who you are is something that can be, I mean, you already know it. Like you, there, 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 there's, um, an understanding that you can provide to some other people that um, is, I think is pretty valuable and just be, be, if you're unique, be who you are and, and everyone's unique. So just be who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and when you're, when you're going through the process of getting into the right place, you know, maybe you'll be a little less decisive than Molly is, but um, understanding that, it, it, you know, if if you feel like something's off, try to put a solution in place. And then if that doesn't work, like go find another thing because 
you can find uh, the right place for you at some point. Um, and for you, it took, it took a while and <laughs> you know, you had your ups and your downs and all that sort of stuff, but you didn't really lose who you were and you didn't let somebody else tell you who you were supposed to be. Um, and, and because of that, even though there are other things that are stressful in life, at the very least, Molly is Molly and there's no mm-hmm. doubting of that, of that. And that's not a stressor in your life. And, and I think that's something that, has really maintained your self-worth and actually your real worth as well because it's you being you has been extremely valuable to those that are around you in their professional setting as well. So um, thank you for coming on here. I'm glad, like, I don't know these always start out like super weird. Like, I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but I think it I, went all right. I can take this conversation and I can go eight different other directions and talk about so many other things that pertain to CVTs. I, I mean, I'm all in on that. <laughs> I, the, the caveat is we can only do this one out of every three weeks because you need to sleep too. So I mean, trying to talk to me after I finish a shift, not a good idea. I, I, I mean, mean, there's a lot of slap happy or crabby that sometimes comes out of it. I was going to say that uh, one of these days we'll, I'll get you in here on like a, that Sunday to Monday morning. Oh, that slap happy slap stage. Happy day. Oh, yep. Yep. And that, but, but we won't talk about anything serious. <laughs> we'll just sit up here and bullshit the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Um, so yeah, any uh, any other final thoughts that you would want to share with the world while you have a microphone in front of you? No, no? not that I can All think right. of right now. All right, fair enough. Well, I'm going to do the outro, and then we're going to go do other stuff. Okay, so, fantastic. All right, thanks, guys, for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.